Good morning, good morning. Welcome, welcome. You guys are in for an amazing service today. So I'm so excited to be here together. So whether you're out on the patio, starting to warm up, it felt a little bit better out there, or inside, we are so glad that you that you are here. So we are Marty and Stacy Wadlow. Hello. And we are part, I said this wrong at the first service, I said connection team, so I'll say it correctly this time. We are part of the connection crew. We're crews here. And one of the things I love about this church is just the different places to get involved. Yeah, and if you don't know what the connection crew is, well, there's a connection booth outside, there's one in the lobby over here, and there's one over there that you can find out more. Um, and especially if you're new, there's a gift waiting for you. So please go to one of those three places. And um, the heartbeat of new life is to be fully connected to Jesus. And the nice thing that about this church is that there are so many ways to get connected. So many different uh, things that you can get involved in. That's how you get connected, get involved. Um, one thing specifically um, on the back of the bulletin when you came in is the men's gathering next Sunday, and it starts at 4 o'clock. A lot of time and effort goes into it You, uh, for men that you won't be disappointed being there. It'll be great, fun time to hang out, do manly things. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So as we're getting ready to worship, go ahead and stand up. And we're um, leaving the cold weather of our uh, February and starting to warm up. So go ahead and share with a neighbor near you something that you're looking forward to do as it warms up. Good morning, New Life. It is, uh, I'll be honest, like I love watching the body of Christ interact with one another. I love watching you have conversations. I love the holy hugs that go on and uh, how important it is that when we gather together that we recognize that we're not alone. You know, some of us are walking in here and you're in the midst of a battle, you're in the midst of a journey and it feels like you're alone, but... Can I just combat that mentality for just a moment? Can I just remind you of a couple of things? First and foremost, when you walk in here, no matter what battle that you are in, that you should be intentionally reminded that God's presence is here, that you are not alone because the God of the universe is here, and that part of what we do when we gather for worship is we cast our burdens upon him. One of the things that we do is that we cry out and we intercede and we pray 
and we bring our petitions before the Lord, that one of the things that we do is that, that we worship God and recognize that He is greater, that He is sovereign, that He is above all things, that whatever we are facing, that He is greater than that. And so here we are gathering here, and I don't know about you, I know that, that for me, and it seems so minuscule, I don't get sick very often. And I got sick this week. Like, I can't remember the last time that I was sick. And that virus or whatever that was going around, like, went four times through my house. And eventually, I finally got it early on in the week. And I'm feeling so much better today. And, and, but the reality is, is that I'm not a very good sick person. I, I act like the world has ended. And so that's been my battle. Even coming here, I'm like, man, I'm going to lose my, my voice. And I, I feel like the Lord's giving me a word. That, I, that I'm supposed to preach this week. And, and so I just began to pray against that sickness this week. And, uh, and I know that there are people that are walking in here today and you're fighting a relational battle. You're fighting through depression right now, anxiety right now. You're fighting through any numerous, you have a prodigal that you wish was here with you right now, that you are finding yourself in a battle right now. And I wanna remind you this morning, that when you enter into worship, don't just sing the songs. Don't just go through the motions. Recognize that there is a sovereign God, that, that he is your refuge and strength, that he is your ever-present help in your time of trouble. Enter into worship recognizing who he is and cast those burdens upon him. That's number one. Number two, recognize that you are not alone. The reason we gather as the body of Christ is not just so we can be isolated and feel alone in a room full of people. We gather as a body of Christ because when we, when two or three are gathered together, there he will be also. That we share those burdens together, that we intercede for one another. And so maybe you've had a great week. Guess what? I want you to just ask the Lord, Lord, who's somebody in this room? You don't need to know their name. You don't even know the specific thing that's going on. Just who is somebody that I can intercede for right now as I worship? And so if you are someone that feels alone right now, I want to remind you that you are not alone. You are not alone in that battle. That is the enemy telling you that. It's the enemy trying to isolate you and say, nobody cares about you. Nobody said hi to you. That little meet and greet, you still felt all alone. That's the enemy. You are not alone. God is with you and his people are with you. And as we enter into worship, may we take those two things and press into the presence of God. So gracious Heavenly Father, we are here to give you glory. We are here to submit our lives to you. We are here, God, that you might begin to give us a different perspective. The battles that we face feel so big when we're by ourselves, but somehow when we intentionally come into your presence and we have our brothers and sisters in Christ with us, there can be a shift in the perspective that we have. So God, may that shift in perspective happen over the next few moments. May we see things through kingdom lenses. May we see our battles through kingdom lenses in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, let's worship.
you're fighting for us. Jesus, we thank you for interceding for where we cannot. We thank you for being here. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We ask you to be here right now. We pray for an outpouring of your spirit for a fresh wind to come to move our hearts, to move our minds. Let us be tender. Let us be in tune and sensitive to your spirit, Father. We need you and we know that you're here. We know that you can move, so we ask that you do. Come and take this place. Come and take our hearts to be in tune to you, to see you rightly, to let you fix all that's going on inside of us. May we lay everything aside. Say, Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are good. And Jesus, we love you. So Holy Spirit, come.
him all glory and honor and praise and worship. God, Father, forgive us when we enter into your presence and we don't worship you. Forgive us, God, when we don't give you that glory and honor and praise. Forgive us, God, when we don't fulfill the calling of the body. And one of the things I'm reminded of more frequently probably over the last couple of years is that we are a physical people. What I mean is we're going to break bread and partake of the Lord's Supper. That's a physical act. Baptism is a physical act. The laying on of hands is a physical act. The anointing of each other is a physical act. These are physical things that we do. And so when we gather in the body in spaces like this, sometimes what we want to do is like, again, as someone who is a little bit more introverted and doesn't like germs, it's like, don't touch me. I'm uncomfortable. And then we carry the battles that we face in here alone and we leave with those same battles feeling alone. So we're not gonna do that today because we're gonna cast those upon the Lord and recognize that he is the only one sovereign enough to deal with the battles that we face. And then we're gonna intercede for one another by the laying on of hands and praying for one another. So if you're somebody who is walking through a battle, maybe you're here and you don't even know if you believe yet, that's your battle right now. Wherever you find yourself, if you are battling something and you wanna be prayed over this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to slip up your hand right now. Go ahead and slip up your hand right now. Yep, all over. Keep your hand up, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Then those that are near that person, I want you to gather around them. I want you to lay hands on that person. Right now, nobody should be alone. Nobody should have somebody that's gathered around them. Somebody that's gathered around them. Make sure everybody in the balcony, I know you guys are spread out a little bit more. Make sure everybody's covered. And then Pastor Phillip's going to come up, and I've asked him to pray. And just intercede on behalf of those. Holy Spirit. Have your way in this moment. Give us words. Give us the heartbeat. Have your way. So, Father, right now, we just bless your name in this place. In this church, God, we lift up your name above this this church's name. We lift your name above all the other churches in this area's name, God. We lift your name up above our name and say, have your way in this place. Throw your weight around in this room. I thank you that you are making intercession for us, your bride, your church right now. And we thank you for that, God. That is humbling to me. And Holy Spirit, I pray that when I don't even know what to pray, that you you praying and groan when I don't even know what to say. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing right now in this place. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are touching and you're healing and you are, you are bringing back, you are restoring you are bringing people back in their right mind when we cannot do that. And so we rely on you right now, Holy Spirit. Let there be a spirit of freedom in this place right now. Father, send, send, your, send the spirit of, rev, not revival, but repentance in this place right now. Revive hearts right now.
Father, we call upon you because you are the one that has the power, the authority. And I thank you that you, you ask us to partner with you to lay hands and pray over those that they may be healed. And so, God, we ask for healing to happen right now in Jesus' name. We ask for a reconciliation to happen right now in Jesus' mighty name. God, we pray against apathy and lukewarmness in Jesus' mighty name. But God, we say that you are the only one found worthy, and so we lift up you because you're worthy. Father, I thank you that you care about us. That's why we can bring our cares and worries to you. So right now, Lord, I pray that there will be a spirit of openness and a vulnerability in this place, that we would be able to bring our cares to you through prayer, by the power of your spirit. We wait upon you right now. We give you this service, Lord. We give you the next moments, and we just wait upon you right now. Because in our waiting, we understand who you are. So remind us this morning, God, in, in the waiting, that you are God and we are not. So we wait right now. Church, as we are waiting on God, do not just sit there in your apathy, in your complacency, but talk to your God right now. Tell him how much you love him right now. Repent of things in your life right now, church. Forgive us, Lord. Father, I pray that you restore marriages in this room right now. That we would not hold on, husbands, that we would not hold on to bitterness. But Lord, that you would help us deal with the plank in our own eye. Before we look at the speck in our spouse. Or the speck in the young person. So church, if you have something against someone in this room, go and make that right before you bring your offering to Jesus right now. Take this spirit of heaviness in exchange for a spirit, a garment of praise. waiting right now molly's gonna sing this whatever she's singing over us right now so just just continue to stay in this posture of god i'm looking to you i'm waiting on you
So, God, we pray that whatever is said, whatever is sung, whatever is played, whatever is spoken would be a sweet sound to your ear this morning. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen and amen. Turn to somebody near you and say, he's just getting started. Yes, it is just getting started. What a morning. God, I'm just so thankful that God, you know, God moves that God is real, he's alive, he's active, and he's moving in our midst. Um, and we're just going to continue to worship him. We're going to continue to tell him that he is worthy. Um, and um, I would like to invite the ushers forward to receive our offering. You know, this is another one of those ways that we tell God that he has first place in our heart. 
And whether it is through our resources, whether it is through our prayers, whether it is through our genuine love for one another, like David said, we just pray that this is a, a, a humble and sweet offering to the Lord today, that he would be glorified um, through our prayers and through our sacrifices. And so, um, God, we're, yeah, we're just getting started. And at, at New Life, we have something that we like to call a rule of life. And it is kind of like a structure that we put in place to make sure that we are leaning into the rhythms and the practices of God um, to shape us more and more into his image. We do that individually and we do that collectively as a church. And so as we have been thinking about and praying about um, the ways that we feel like God wants us to lean in in this season of Lent, um, God showed us very clearly that he wants us to lean into the spiritual practice of prayer for this season. And so Lent actually starts on Wednesday and we'll have our Ash Wednesday service this this coming Wednesday at six o'clock. Um, it's going to be a powerful night of prayer and worship together. Um, so please come out for that. It's going to start our season of Lent. And we have a couple of ways for you to lean into the presence of God through prayer this season. Because I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I can get, I can kind of rely on the fact that, you know, God is with me everywhere. And so sometimes I just can say prayers all through the day, which is great. But I'm not always good at setting aside a time and being really intentional in my prayer life. And so um, we have a couple of tools that if you're like me, it'll probably help you hopefully focus a little bit more on the presence of God. One of which is this um, book. It's a 40 days of prayer. And so for the 40 days of Lent, so if, you don't, if you're not familiar, Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter, although Sundays are not included in that count, FYI. If your math doesn't add up, that's why. So um, for the 40 days leading up to Easter, we're going to spend time in prayer. So we have this prayer journal. This is available today. It's just the first 10 days to get you started. So this journal will start on Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday. That will be the first day that we'll pray together. And we believe that there truly is power in the prayer of the unity of this people. So we also are going to be sending out daily text messages at noon. So we can all sort of pause in the middle of our day, tune our hearts into Jesus. Jesus, pray together in unity in the spirit and see, you know, see what God's going to do as we continue to just press in and in unity lean into the prayer of his presence um, in this season. So you can sign up to get those daily text messages. You can text the word prayer to 805-979-2003. Don't worry, it's in your bulletin. It's also in this prayer journal, so you don't have to have it memorized. But you can sign up to get those daily texts. They'll be similar to the prayer prompts that are in here. So if you're not somebody who texts, you can also pray at noon in this booklet, and you will also be praying in unity with all of us other believers. And another thing that we're going to be doing is we're going to be, this is going to be a little bit challenging, is we're going to encourage you guys, and us included, staff as well, we're going to be um, fasting on Mondays and coming for worship on Monday. So whatever that looks like for you in your health as well, but we're going to fast on Monday, not tomorrow because Lent doesn't start till Wednesday. So fasting on Mondays from sunup to sundown, and then we're going to come hungry, both physically and spiritually here at six o'clock on Mondays, and we're going to pray and we're going to worship together. And so, man, would you already just be in prayer for what God's going to do as we intentionally lean into his presence? And like I said, we, you know, we have these different practices that we lean into for each kind of different season and different series. And this Stone to Flesh series, we've been challenging you to, to memorize um, the verse in Ezekiel. And so how'd you guys do? Did you guys do good, pretty good? Well, get ready because now's your test. Here you go. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart 
and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Well, New Life, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8 here in just a moment. Again, I just want to remind us of that Ezekiel 36, 26, our anchor text. Uh, Romans, is, um, though, is in the New Testament or second half of the Bible, if you're not familiar with how to get there. And um, Romans chapter 8 here in a moment. But in Ezekiel 36, 26, I want to just read again these words. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, It's a great reminder that, hey, if God is having to put a new heart in us and a new spirit in us, then guess what? There is an old heart that wasn't for God. And, and I'm acutely aware that the old David was not in alignment with the heart of God. I am very aware that, and I can literally point to the place where I was. I remember I was in the backseat of a friend's car when literally in my mind I said, God, I am done trying to figure you out. I grew up in a Christian home. I want nothing to do with you. I don't want you to speak to me. I don't really care about you right now. I am doing what I want, when I want, and how I want. I literally shook my fist in God's face and said, I want nothing to do with you. My heart was completely hardened against God. But I also remember when God met me in my brokenness and in my sin, guilt, and he began to break that heart of stone and he removed that heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh and he placed his new spirit in me. That is something only God can do. There is nothing that you can do to replace your heart of stone. There's nothing you can do to fix your heart of stone. There is absolutely nothing you are capable of and people will try and they will try different tactics and different prayers and try to be good enough and do enough works and any number of things. But the only one who is sovereign above all things, who reigns above all things, who's able to deal with sin and death in this world is God. And the only way that we do that is through Jesus Christ. Amen? So we need to recognize as a part of this series that what God has done for us, we cannot do for ourselves. He has taken our heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh because he is sovereign, because he has given us his gift, who is Christ Jesus. It is through his life death and resurrection. It's through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. It's through his shed blood and broken body, which we'll talk about later as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, that our sins are forgiven and we experience fullness of life. That's all what God does for us. But here's where we sometimes get stuck. We say, God, thank you for doing that for me, and we never actually start living with a new heart. We live in the practices of our old heart. We live in the language of our old heart. We live in the rhythm of our old heart. We never actually begin living in this idea of having a new heart and having a new spirit. We struggle with it. And in fact, sometimes we make excuses for it. The reason we make excuses is because we look to passages that that we forget are within a context And we claim those passages and are like, yep, see, I told you, Paul struggled with this, so that's why I struggle with it. 
Let me give you an example. If you grew up in the church or maybe um, you're familiar with scripture, you're probably familiar with Romans chapter seven. In Romans chapter seven, you hear Paul speaking about this idea that he wants to do the things of God, but he doesn't do them. Why do I want to do these things, but I can't do them? Let Let me read it to you more specifically. He says this, the trouble is with me for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I've been in tons of Bible studies where people are like, yep, I did it again. Yep, I just can't get away from from not doing this. Like, I want to live my life for Christ, but I keep on messing up. I am a slave to sin. Pause right there. Many scholars believe several things about this passage. One is, is Paul referring to his life under the law, that he wanted to honor God under the law, but he couldn't quite get it right. And there was this constant battle back and forth about what Paul was experiencing because he uses the first person. The other suggestion is that Paul is actually referring to life outside of the spirit or even life outside of a relationship with God. That Plenty of people knew about God, but they didn't know God. And when you know about God, you feel him calling you into this relationship and you want to do this, but you don't know how to do this. Well, this is how you do it. You allow God to remove your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Why is this important? Because there are many Christians who are living a defeated Christian life because they think that there's nothing they can do about their sin. Now, we have to back up here for a moment and ask ourselves, why do you sin? Because you want to and some of you like it. Like, that's why, like, like when you really think about it and you're like, why do I choose to sin over and above my relationship with God? Why do I choose sin over and above my family? Why do I choose sin over and above relationships with other people where I can love them and enter into it? Because that's what I want to do at that particular moment. And for many of us, the reason we, we find ourselves in that position, we go, hey, well, there's just nothing I can do about it. The problem is, is that chapter seven is actually in uh, in between chapter six and chapter eight where where it says that we can have victory over sin. So let's go to Romans chapter eight and read what Romans chapter eight starting at verse one says. It says, so now, because what Christ has done for us, because we have, God has removed that heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation defeating for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not a defeated people. We are a victorious people because we live in Christ Jesus. It is what he has done for us that we can live in victory. Let's read on, verse two. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So when God places his spirit in you, he has freed you from the life of sin. That means you can walk faithfully in step with the spirit, that you can walk victoriously in step with the spirit, that you do not have to give in to sin all the time and just like, oh, there's nothing I can do. Folks, why do we live this defeated life? Why do we live in this life where we're, where we're just like, like, there's just nothing, it's just sin is too great. No, God is greater, amen? 
And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, what does it mean to walk in step with the Spirit? Why is it that I battle against this? Well, one is that do you know that you're in Christ Jesus, that you belong to Jesus? That phrase is so important. Go back and look at it, underline it. It says, for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Christ, the Greek word of Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew word. So Messiah, Christ, means king. You are a son. You are a daughter of the most high God. You are royalty. Many of us dream about being royalty. Well, at least you do until you watch like, you know, Harry and Meghan, and then you're like, I don't wanna be royalty. But most of us dream about being royalty. You are royalty. You are a son. You are a daughter of the most high God. You are in Christ Jesus. He has placed a new spirit in you, have you tuned your ears? Have you tuned your heart? Are you walking in step with the royal ways? You remember that old movie, Princess Diaries? Some of you students are like, uh-huh, I remember, I know what you're talking about. Some of you older folks are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. You gotta learn how to walk in royalty. You, learn, you have to learn how to drink as a royal. You gotta speak like a royal. See, some of us think of that as just posh stuff. Let me say it this way. You need to learn how to talk in, in concert or in alignment with the spirit. You need to learn how to walk in alignment with the spirit. You need to learn how to use your hands and in giftedness in alignment with the spirit. You need to learn how to, uh, to surrender your passions to what the spirit wants to do in your life. You have spent 15, 20, 25, 55, 75 years. My grandfather didn't come to know the Lord until he was near his death. You've spent a whole lot of your life. I've spent a whole lot of my life walking in step with the things of this world. There's a whole new way to learn how to live that the Spirit wants to teach me. So the Spirit has freed you from sin. That leads to death. We think about sin as being good and bad. Scripture talks about sin and, and, and the um, flip side, walking in step with the Spirit, as one leads to life. Walking in step with the Spirit leads to life. Sin leads to death. So God isn't trying to keep you from doing bad things. He's trying to keep you from dying eternal death. And he wants to lead you towards eternal life. And so this isn't about him trying to keep you from things. He has marked you. You belong to him. See, on Ash Wednesday, that's what it's all about. Let me give you a, a, a brief study right now. Some of you are like, Ash Wednesday, isn't that Catholic? Right? Right? No, it's capital C church. It's a intentional practice that we have that the capital C church has practiced down throughout history in order to remind us that we are marked by 
Christ. And so the imposition of ashes on our forehead reminds us that we are marked by Christ. Does receiving the ashes make you more holy or less holy if you don't receive them? No, it's not what it's about. It's about recognizing that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we will be just ashes. We will experience death, and that will be the period at the end of our story. But because of Christ, which is the form of the cross on the forehead, because of Christ, we have life and life to its fullest. We are marked by Christ. We get to walk in step with the Spirit. And he leads us to life. You have been given the gift of his spirit. And the question is, will you allow yourself to start being controlled by the spirit or are you gonna continue to be controlled by sin? Are you gonna allow yourself to be controlled by the spirit or are you gonna continue to be controlled by sin? When you have a heart transplant, there is a fear that doctors have of heart transplant rejection. And some of us have received the gift of grace from God, but we have rejected the fullness of life that it offers. We have not learned how we need to walk in new ways and talk in new ways. We have not relearned how to live as royalty, as those who belong to Christ. You have a new heart, but your body and your mind and your activities are still a part of the old you. And so God wants to reveal those to you and he wants to uh, teach you a new way of talking and teach you a new way of walking and teach you a new way of acting and teach you a new way of listening and walking in step with the spirit. And so some of us have never leaned into that and because we've never leaned into that, we're like, oh, there's just nothing I can do about my sin. And God has such a greater life for you. We receive the gift of God, and we think a lot about transformation, but we never participate in our transformation. Your gift of grace was something that only a sovereign and gracious God could do. So salvation is received by faith through grace. By grace through faith, sorry. By grace through faith. There's nothing you can do for it. You receive it by faith. God has done this for me. He has redeemed me. But then he invites you to participate with him. Scripture talks about working out your salvation. He invites you to participate with him in the transformation. God does all the heavy lifting, but we position ourselves to experience the transformation of his Holy Spirit. So a lot of us, what we do is we think about transformation, but we never actually participate in the transformation. And part of what you need to do to participate in the transformation is preparation. You need to prepare yourself. You need to have a plan going forward of how you're going to experience the transformation that God wants to do. I learned about this when I began working out because at 34 years old, now some of you are just built different and you didn't experience this, but at 34 years old, my metabolism went and stopped. I used to be able to eat whatever I want, wanted when I wanted as much as I wanted, and it would just melt away. 
And then around 34 years old, if I ate pizza the night before, I get up in the morning and look at the mirror and I'm like, oh, that's where that pizza is, right? Oh, that's where those brownies are. Oh, that's where that cookie dough, or what did I eat last night? That's where uh, Moose Tracks ice cream is. I, I, I'm very aware of that. And so I had to start working out and it was a struggle for me to work out on a regular basis to find myself making sure that I was keeping myself in uh, kind of being physically fit. Now, you may not, um, you, you may have already known this. Um, there's a game changing thing you can do if you wanna start working out. And it, it's brilliant. It's not actually buying a membership at the gym because there's plenty of people that have membership. At, like Planet Fitness lives on people that bought the membership but never go. Exercise companies live on people who their exercise machine is a clothes rack, right? So that's not actually the game changer. Here's the game changer. Here's what I learned was the game changing habit or practice. Prepare the night before. When you lay out, like when I would lay out my shirt and my shorts and my socks and my shoes the night before beside my bed, when I woke up in the morning, I'd look at that stuff and it would remind me of what my desire was the night before. And it would make it easy for me to get dressed quick. I had somebody say, hey, I just wear what I'm gonna work out to bed and go to the gym like that. <laughs> that might be smart. Because here's the conversation that goes in my head if I don't do that. Oh, I gotta go figure out what I'm gonna wear. And if I turn on the light, I'm gonna wake up Dana. And if I do this, oh, I, and I gotta go, where, where are my shoes? Oh, I'll just hit snooze. And it's so easy, yeah. It's so easy just to kind of move in that direction and, and, and just kind of push it to the side. And the same exact thing happens to us when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. If we're not preparing to deepen our relationship with the Lord, we just allow life to happen to us. We just expect that we're gonna get zapped and God's gonna do all of this. He already has given you the new heart. The question is, are you gonna start living in a way that is in accordance with that new heart. So what are the practices? What's the plan? What are the things that we begin doing in order to walk in step with the Spirit? This is gonna be really simple. I'm gonna get very practical for the next few moments because I, I want you to begin thinking about this. The very, there's three words that I want you to write down. They're very simple. I, I totally did like the three-point sermon to help you remember, and they all have G's, and it's gonna be really easy. Gather, give, and grow. Gather, give, and grow. If you can write these down, you, you see these even like these words being placed in our, in our foyer right now as a way to help you in connection points. Gather, give, and grow. Let's talk about what they mean. Gather. Where are you gathering with the people of God? What is your plan for gathering for the people of God? Here's how I know that people don't have a plan. In America right now, people gather in spaces like this 1.4 times a month, which means that we allow life to happen. Believe me, I, my kids played every sport in the world and it's a struggle. It, I feel your struggle to make gathering a priority, to make gathering in spaces like this, but also in Bible study and studying God's word. It is a struggle. But where are you gathering? Because the word says that where two or three are gathered together, there he will be also. This life was never meant to be done alone. 
And some of us are struggling in our sin and our brokenness and we're feeling defeated because you're trying to do this alone as if it's self-help. Self-help is done alone. Self-help. I help myself. Walking in the Spirit's not done alone. It's done in the power of the Spirit and with the body of Christ surrounding you. It was never meant to be done alone. That is false idea, false theology, however you want to. There is no such thing as, oh, it's just me and Jesus. Go read throughout scripture. It's always about a body, always about a community, always about a gathering. So where are you gathering on a regular basis to experience the power of the spirit and the alignment of the spirit so that your heart becomes aligned with the, with the heart of God? Where are you doing? Second thing about that gathering is, what are your expectations? When you gather, now I get it, we're gonna have moments where we're just going through the motions, but what are your expectations when you gather? Because you're, there is no difference. Some of you have been reading about or, or seeing posts about, and it's been awesome. Wilmore, Kentucky, Asbury um, Seminary and, and University. Then you got Ohio Christian. You've got other schools where the, a movement of the Spirit of God has been happening over the last probably uh, 10, 10 to 15 days. You've been seeing things pop up. The same Holy Spirit that is there at Asbury is available to us at New Life Church. There is no difference. The only difference is our awareness of the presence of God. So let me show you something. Here's a picture of people lined up outside of, there's three sanctuaries on Asbury's campus. That's people waiting to get in to the service so that they can be a part of the worship and prayer and confession and repentance that was there. They're lined up hours before. Now, I don't need you lining up at our doors hours before. But I am gonna step on some toes 11 o'clock. Don't be wandering in here five and 10 minutes late and then going, I didn't really feel the spirit moving today. I didn't really feel the Holy Spirit today. Come with expectation. Begin your day preparing to be here. Wake up, think the night before, hey, I'm going to that 11 o'clock service because I don't wanna have to get up early, early. It's okay, 11 o'clock service. Man, the, I'm telling you, I can tell many of us are coming and we're ready to enter into worship. But some of us have to realize if you have had a battle all week, you need to start preparing the moment you get up in the morning for worship. Actually, I would start the night before. Rather than scrolling through your phone and getting depressed about the world, listen to some worship music before you go to bed. Listen to some worship music. Have a go-to passage that you open up in the morning. Have a psalm that you read every Sunday morning that gets your heart in alignment with its readiness to go and worship. Because if you are more in tune with what the Spirit is doing, you, guess what? The Spirit will move in your life more, not because, not because the Spirit is more present, but because you're more aware of the Spirit's presence. So begin preparing yourself for worship. Engage. I know we're not gonna always sing the songs that you like and that you know. We don't always sing the songs that I like and I know. But guess what? You're not here to worship me. We're not here to worship you. 
Our words are designed to worship God. So even when I don't know the songs, I can speak the words, I can allow those words, even if I can't utter them yet with my mouth, I can praise them in my heart and mind. I can posture myself. What do you mean by that, pastor? When I was a kid's pastor, we would model worship for the kids that were a part of our kids' ministry. It was amazing. What we would do is, we, I would tell them, I said, hey, as you feel comfortable, I want you to kneel at your seat. As you feel comfortable, I want to come to this space of altars. I think next week, next week, I don't know. Next week, I think it is. We're gonna have altars up here at the front because I always feel like it's weird when you're kneeling at like people's feet right here. So we're gonna have altars up here at, at the front with the intent. There is nothing magical or mystical about an altar of prayer, but there is something about a physical response to the internal moving of the spirit. Okay, and so when we raise our hands, I'm a shouter. You don't have to be a shouter. You don't. My kids, I know, when they're sitting next to me and I start shouting, I know they go, oh, dad, oh, dad. That's okay. You don't have to be a shouter. You don't have to be someone that raises their hands. What is the posture of worship? Like, like think about it this way. If you actually recognize, if we actually recognized that when we enter into this space, we are intentionally becoming aware that there is a holy God who created everything, who sent his one and only son to die on the cross to save you from sin, to give you eternal life. What would our response be? What would it be? Would it be like, oh, here we go again. They're leading worship. Oh, Pastor David, man. That was like a sea level. <laughs> or would it be, we're here to worship you, God. We are here to lift up your name. If you call me to lay on my face, I'm gonna lay on my face. If you call me to lift up my hands, I'm gonna lift up my hands. If you call me to shout, I'm gonna shout. If you call me to stand in reverence, silence, and fear of God, I'm gonna stand and not utter a word because you are God and you are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of my praise. So we are gonna gather in spaces. When we gather in spaces where we worship and we're filled up with the Spirit, guess what that allows us to do? To gather in spaces with people who are far from God and be poured out for his glory. We are filled up as we gather in worship, right? We're filled up as we, as, we, as we worship God and we experience the outpouring of God's spirit in this context. Then when we go, then we are called to also gather in spaces where there are people who don't think like you, act like you, and believe like you. And that's a pretty easy space to find. But in those spaces, we wanna bear witness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When his spirit is living in us, we will bear witness to who Jesus is. So we gather in spaces both together and with people who are far from God, all right? Second thing, we're gonna give. We're gonna give of the gifts, the spiritual gifts and talents that God has given us, and we're gonna give of our resources in order to further the kingdom of God. Those two things begin to keep our heart of flesh softened and in tune with the spirits. If you are a part of new life, and you are not. Now, if you need a season of healing, I understand that. Like, if you've gone through a difficult season in your life, if you, if you have a season where you're, like, coming, and you've got, like, you've been hurt by the people of God somewhere, and you need a season of healing, I completely respect that. It is okay not to be okay, and you've probably heard us say it around here before, but it's not okay to stay that way. And so at some point, we want to invite you 
to utilize the gifts that God has given you. And I don't care if you are in our kids' ministry or our senior adult ministry, wherever you are, God has given you a gift. He has given you a spiritual gift and he has given you talents on top of that in order to be utilized for his glory. And if you are sitting down and not utilizing those, you are missing out on aligning your heart with the heart of God. He desires to align his heart, his passions, his vision for the kingdom of God, his vision for this world. He, he wants you to align your heart with his heart. And the second area is to give of our resources. I know some of you are like, ah, pastor, I don't know. I don't know. I, like, why do you got to talk? Because bar none, I'll just be very honest with you, bar none, this was, a, this, was a, this was an idol in my life when I was growing up. So maybe that's why it's a, I, want, I don't think I'm the only one. When I was growing up, I, I was a middle-class family living in an upper-middle-class to upper-class upper community. And I was so consumed with brands and money and image and trying to make everybody think my family was like theirs. And it had a hold on my heart. And as I read throughout scripture and as I talk with people, I recognize how often money and and wealth has a hold on people's hearts. And we've said it before, and I'll say it just a different way. Money is an incredible servant. It is an awful king. It's an incredible servant. It's an awful king. And so this is an area we don't just receive the tithes and offerings as a way to say, hey, you know what? We need your, no, this is a way for us to place God before everything else and say, God, even this area that has such a grip in our culture, such a grip in our society, I want to place you above that. I want to honor you first in my life. And I promise, I promise, if you begin to give of your gifts, your spiritual gifts and your talents, and you begin to give of your resources, your heart is going to begin aligning with the heart of God, because God is a giver. He's a generous God. He gave us one and only son. He's a generous God. That's where his heartbeat is. And God has empowered us to use, his, use the gifts of the spirit. The third area is that we would grow, that we would have spiritual practices that we would grow in. Things like reading God's word, things like prayer, things like fasting, We'll just name those three for right now. Those are general down throughout history. We see them in scripture. We see them down throughout church tradition. Again, let me make sure we understand this. Those things do not earn you a heart of flesh. Those things flow from a heart of flesh. So God has given you a heart of flesh. So I spend time with God so that I can uh, grow in my understanding of how to live in the heart of flesh. I read the scripture so I can grow in my understanding of how to do that. I fast so I can uh, be reliant upon the Lord over and above the things of this world and remind myself that the sustenance of life is Jesus and him alone. He is the bread. He is the living water, right? So I'm gonna fast. Now, on those Mondays, I'll just be really honest. It's gonna be a battle for me. I don't, you want to talk about hangry? This guy gets hangry in a moment. So if you are someone who gets sick when you fast food, if you're some, have a piece of bread throughout the day. The goal is not to make you sick and we're not going for legalism. God wants to know your heart. 
So he wants to know your heart. So if, if I see you eating a saltine, I'm not going to be like, mm. you're three-fourths holy. No. That's not, that's not how this works. I want your heart posture to be right. Your heart posture to be right. Because when we gather on Monday evenings to be able to worship together and pray together, we're going to press in. And when we find ourselves... Um, Coming there, we will come with a level of expectation, right? It's one of my biggest peeves uh, when, when people are like, they go to a Maverick City worship gathering or concert or Chris Tomlin or Elevation. They're like, oh, pastor, the spirit moved there in such a great way. And I'm like, of course he did because you went there with the expectation that he was going to move. Right, Students, kind of three. Uh, maybe, I, I, I bet, maybe I'm going to get myself uh, off on this, but I'm pretty sure I know the night. On the count of three, I want you to say the night that the Spirit moves at Hume. All right? What, what night does the Spirit, uh, just one person. Kenzie, do you know what, when the Spirit moves at Hume? What night? Thursday night. Every, every kid over there knows. Thursday night, that's when the Spirit moves. That's when they call people to the altar. That's a, why do they know that? Because every kid going to Hume goes to Thursday night and says, I'm ready to listen finally. I'm ready to recognize you finally. The Spirit could have moved on Monday. The Spirit could have moved on Tuesday or Wednesday or any, during a game. But the reason he, that, that they're like, the Spirit moves on Thursday night, the reason he does is because the expectation is that they tune their ears and they tune their hearts and they tune their senses towards the Spirit on Thursday evenings. Folks, we are going to pray, we are going to fast, and we are gonna dive into God's scripture so that we grow in our expectation of what God can do in our midst. We wanna hear from him in greater ways. We wanna strip things away. Here's, here's when you look at fasting, some of you are like, should I just fast food? Should I just fast soda, maybe? But some of us need to fast Netflix. Some of us need to fast social media. Some of us need to fast complaining. Some of us need to fast blaming. Some of us need to fast gossip and never pick it up again. There are plenty of things, that, wait, this is all I ask. Would you start going to the Lord right now and saying, God, what is it that you wanna strip away from me right now? What is it that you want me to fast? And then the final area is those come and, begin to prepare our elements, the sacraments. We grow as we participate in the means of grace of the gathered body, baptism and the Lord's Supper. If you haven't been baptized, April 2nd, I'd ask that during the season of Lent, you begin to pray and say, God, is it something that you want me to do? I can tell you that in scripture, people believed and they were baptized. So I'd not... I don't think it's a question of, does God want you to do this? I think it's a question of, are you going to be obedient to what he's calling you to? That's not a guilt. That is an invitation to experience the grace of God in a beautiful way. And so we will have baptism. And then in a moment, as those who are gonna be helping us come forward, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. All week long, you've fed yourself with normal food for physical sustenance. 
and you've probably consumed worldly food in your social media feed and critique and people complaining to you in the, the consumption of this world. And that leaves you empty and unfulfilled. And so the participation in the Lord's Supper reminds us of this, that there is nothing that will fill you like the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There's nothing that will fill you like Jesus will fill you. And so when we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we're reminded that it, our lives can only be fully alive because of what Jesus has done for us. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to ask yourselves this question. Three questions, actually. Holy Spirit, in what area do you want me to lean in to your presence? Is it in the area of gathering with the people of God? Is that an area where you want me to lean into and begin to grow in my relationship with you? Is it the area of gathering with people who are far from you so that I can bear witness to who you are in those spaces? Is it in the area of giving? The giving of my spiritual giftedness, the giving of the talents that you have given me, the giving of my resources. Is that an area where you wanna see me grow in these coming days? Where I would maybe begin to walk in step with your spirit in greater ways, where I wouldn't, where I would learn from you and learn how to trust in you in greater ways? Or is it in the area of growing through spiritual practices? Is it an area of scripture reading? Is it communion or prayer conversation with God? Is it in the area of fasting? Is it the area of baptism? Have I been making it about me rather than about you, God? And so, Heavenly Father, as we moment, gather and partake of the Lord's Supper, I pray that you would minister to us, that you would open our eyes that we might see, that you would open our ears that we might hear your voice, that you might incline our hearts that we might desire, that, we would, that you would teach us how to walk in your ways, how to walk in step with your spirit. So Holy Spirit, have your way in this moment. Shape us, change us, because you reign above everything and in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to get up from your seat, starting at the front and moving to the back. You'll leave your row on your left. You'll come, you'll receive the elements, return to your seat on your right, and then once everybody has been served the elements, we will partake of the elements together. The table has been set invitation of the Lord is here. Come and receive and be reminded of his gift of grace.
Christ's life, death, and resurrection didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something. He saved you for a fuller life. A life in step with the Spirit. A victorious life. Not an easy life. But a victorious life. When he was speaking to his disciples, that they weren't about to have an easy road. But he knew that their death would not be the period at the end of the story if they trusted in his life, death, and resurrection. And so he took bread and he broke it and he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. So take and eat and remember Christ's broken body for your sins. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup represents the new blood or the new covenant that will be made through my shed blood. Take and drink and remember Christ's sacrifice for you and for me. He said, whenever you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Or think of it this way. You proclaim that he reigns above it all until he comes again. Tim, will you just, will you sing that I surrender all? It's just a, an affirmation of our calling.